Amen. What a good reminder this morning that we are children of God. So no matter what we have faced this past week, what we will be facing in the week to come, we have this confidence, we have this assurance that we are children of God. And we're going to be talking this morning in this section, if you've read it, Peter talks about uh, he's really putting forth a challenge with what will we do with the rest of our lives. And I remember when I was young, and I, I mean pretty pretty young, um, you know, probably before, you know, maybe in that four to seven or eight-year-old range, I remember looking at my grandparents and thinking they were old. Uh, I can look back now and think and, and realize they were probably in their 60s. Um, and so now at, at the age of 43, 60s not looking that bad. Uh, but when I was young, I just, I just, I thought they were old and I thought, I'll never get there. Like it's that's so far away. I couldn't even fathom uh, being that age. And of course now I'm, I'm a lot closer to that age and I realize, man, that's not too far away at all. And so our perception of time changes uh, when we're young. It just seems like that that's so far away. And then all of a sudden, um, we're, we're out of school and we're working and we're getting married and we're starting to raise a family and we're, we're trying to establish ourselves so that we can get ready for when we get into those 60 and 70 year old years. And then it's like, oh man, I don't know if I have enough time to get ready for those years. And so our perception changes because all of a sudden it's like, man, there's not much time left and what will I do with my time? And Peter's talking this morning about, uh, and he asked the, he's not really asking a question, he's putting forth a challenge to us this morning as we think about the time that we have left here on the earth. So let's read this passage together, and then we'll pray and, and dive into it. 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 through 6 says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living, and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Lord, uh, we are aware that we have a limited amount of time here on earth. And, uh, and Peter puts a challenge to us today with what we will do with the rest of the time in the flesh. And Lord, as we look at these words and as we uh, study to understand them, would you teach us? Would you challenge us? Would you um, renew our thinking and align it to the way that you think? And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What will we do with the rest of our time? Peter here in, this, in these brief verses really outlines two things. He says, die to sin and live for Christ, essentially. You could summarize it that way. And he starts off by talking about Jesus suffering in the flesh. And, and this is a recurring theme here in this book of Peter. We'll be looking at it again uh, one more week next week. He, he's still on this topic of suffering. And, and we know this is a reality. We know uh, that it happened. And we talked about last week that the way we suffer uh, might not look like the way Jesus suffered. It might not look like the way Christians and other 
country suffer, and yet in some ways it's very much the same. Uh, so there's different levels of suffering, but we, we know this. Jesus endured suffering all the way to the cross on our behalf. We also celebrate the great victory he had over death, the great victory he had over the grave when he rose uh, and, and went to the Father. So we know um, that, he, that he suffered. We know that he was willing to do that. He did it willingly. He entrusted himself to the Father. And this passage says that we are to arm ourselves with the same way of thinking. Um, that's in verse, it's in verse one. It says, arm, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. Arm yourself. Well, that sounds aggressive, right? Uh, get ready to fight. Be prepared for battle. It's definitely proactive. It's not, uh, well, let's just wait and see what happens. And then, you know, depending on what happens, we'll, we'll make a decision on what we need to do. No, this is a proactive stance that Peter's saying that we need to take. And this is, this is Peter's lifestyle. You know, we can look back in the Gospels, and when um, Jesus says, who, who, who do the crowd say I am, and who do you say I am? Peter's the one that uh, stepped forward and answered Jesus. When the disciples were in the storm on the boat, and Jesus said, uh, uh, Jesus was walking on the water, it was Peter that went out uh, to Jesus. When Jesus was arrested in the garden, we see Peter's the one that had a sword on him, and he drew the sword, and he, and he cut off a man's ear. Uh, so Peter was, Peter was always ready to take action. And so this is partly Peter's style. And as we read through this book of 1 Peter, we, we see that. He's, he's challenging us to be ready for action all through the book. Uh, so I think, though, Peter has learned some things over the years. When he says here to arm yourself, he's not thinking of have a sword and be ready to cut off somebody's ear. Um, this, he's, I think he's recognized that, that the, our battle is not a battle of flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle. It's a battle that begins in the mind. Um, and the call here is to get ready and prepare ourselves in our minds to think the way that Jesus thought. So, good, so the question then is, well, how does Jesus think? If we are to have the same thinking as Jesus did, then we have to know how Jesus thought, because this is the, this is the, the challenge for us. So a verse that comes to mind for me right away is John, uh, excuse me, John 6, 38. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is his mindset. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. We've talked about this before. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to the Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. So Jesus had this mindset, I'm going to do whatever the Father wants me to do. And you say, well, that's easy for Jesus. He had like, he had the inside track. Like he, he came from heaven. He, he was one with the father. Of course he knew what the father's will was. Well, what's, what does that mean for us today? Well, I think God has a desire for every human being here on earth. And is that, that is that they would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And in second Peter, Peter uh, writes this in chapter three, verse nine, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing or not wanting or not willing, not desiring that any should perish, but that all should re reach repentance. Of course, repentance only comes when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is, this is God's kind of general will for people. And then for those who are Christians, for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, Paul wrote to the Thessalonian believers that God's will for them was to be sanctified. 
to be like Jesus, to be, Lord willing, a little bit more like Jesus today than I was yesterday and a little bit more tomorrow than I am today. So this process of becoming holy or the process of sanctification that we looked at as well when we were in uh, chapter one of 1 Peter. So what does it look like to become more like Christ, to become more holy, to become uh, this process of sanctification? Well, um, doing the right thing when nobody else is. Uh, it would be loving people. It would be having compassion on people like Jesus did. Jesus said the, the greatest thing we could do would be to love God first and then uh, love our neighbors or love those that are around us. Um, we see Jesus weeping with Mary and Martha when they were mourning the loss of Lazarus. We see Jesus feeding the hungry. We see Jesus healing the sick. Um, he threw the religious money changers out of the, ta- out of the temple, but he also ate lunch with Zacchaeus, a lying, cheating, stealing tax collector. So what, is it, what does it look like? Well, we, we read the word, we see commands, we see instructions, and we obey them. We can read the word, we can look at Jesus' life, and model our life after Jesus. This is the, this is the will of God for all of his children, to be more and more like Jesus. So we're to, we're to think the way that Jesus thought. These are some of the ways that, that Jesus thought. But think about this. How far was Jesus willing to go to do the will of the Father? We already mentioned it. He was willing to go through terrible humiliation, through terrible disgrace, through physical suffering, beatings, tortures, all the way to his death on the cross. That's, what Jesus, that's how far Jesus was willing to go in terms of doing the will of the Father. So uh, let me just be honest with you. I don't wake up every day thinking like that, right? Some days you just wake up, it's a nice snowy day, and you're like, oh man, I hope they cancel church because I just want to take a walk outside, or I just want to play outside with the kids. Uh, sometimes you just want to go fishing or go hiking, or uh, I don't know what your favorite thing to do is, but some days you just wake up and that's all you want to do. Don't, I just don't want to be bothered today. I just want to do what I want to do. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying things, especially enjoying creation that God has given us, enjoying the people uh, whose lives uh, God has allowed us to interact with. But how often do we wake up with the prayer on our lips, God, give me the same way of thinking today as Jesus. Give me opportunities to advance your kingdom. Lord, give me uh, opportunities to be the salt and light in a bland and dark world. Um, You know, Lord, I know that doing your will today could cause me loss. It could cause me inconvenience. It could cause me suffering, but I'm willing to do whatever your will is for me. If I'm honest, that's not, you know, that's not my prayer every day. That's not how I'm thinking as I go into different situations. And of course, it's not easy. You might even say, that kind of attitude's not even in me. Well, actually it is. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, it says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So, have this mind in yourselves. It is yours in Christ Jesus. And this was Jesus' mind. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. God, Jesus, excuse me, left his place in heaven and he came down to earth, took the lowly form of a man. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Obedient to what? Obedient to the will of the Father, 
to the point of death, even death on a cross. This was, this was Jesus' mindset. And verse 5 said, this mindset is yours, this mindset is mine in Christ Jesus. So if we are in Christ, if we have uh, believed in Jesus Christ, his work on the cross, then we are in Christ and this mind is in us. So maybe part of our prayer needs to be, Jesus, since I'm your child, I need you to put your mind in mine because it does not naturally happen in my mind all the time. So we're to arm ourselves with this, this way of thinking. It is possible in Christ that we have his thinking. And this next statement is interesting. Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So you might say, well, I've suffered for Jesus' sake before, but I also still sin. Or you might say, uh, well, I still, I'm still sinning, so maybe if I just suffered for Jesus some, then I wouldn't sin anymore. Uh, well, I'm not sure that that's exactly what it means, either one of those, but I think what it's saying is this. I think he's saying that a follower of Christ who is choosing to have the mind of Christ, then in that moment, that believer's not sinning. doesn't mean that believer's um, perfect, and in fact, he's going to go here in a minute, and he's gonna, we're going to look at the instructions that he gives. That he's telling uh, believers not to sin. We've looked at previous instructions in this book. Peter knows that we're not perfect because he's continually instructing us in, in what it means to be holy and what it means to sin and how to choose holiness and how to, he t- keeps telling us to turn away from the sin. So he's not saying that you're perfect, but in that moment, you're You've ceased from sinning because you are submitting to the Father. You are willing to suffer for the sake of Christ. So um, it's not a per- point of perfection at all. And William McDonald's put it, put it this way. I thought this was good. Let me read it to you. Whoever has suffered in the flesh, that is, in the body, has ceased from sin. The believer is faced with two possibilities, sin or suffering. On the one hand, he can choose to live like the unsafe people around him. We're going to read about that in just a minute. Uh, sharing in their sinful pleasures and th- therefore avoiding persecution. I'm just going to live like everybody else lives, and then I won't have to be persecuted. I won't have any suffering. So he's choosing that life of sin. But McDonald's continues, or he can live in purity and godliness, bearing the reproach of Christ and suffer at the hands of the wicked. When a believer deliberately chooses to suffer persecution as a Christian, rather than to continue in a life of sin, he has ceased from sin. So I think there's a, I think there's a real um, simple explanation there. It's not saying that we're perfect or that if, if you ever uh, choose what is right and suffer for it, that, that there'll be no more sin in your life. But I think it's just saying, look, when you're, when you're making those choices to follow Christ and you're suffering for it, you're not sinning because you are making that sacrifice. And of course, that is uh, not easy, but it's the right thing. Um, but, but let's continue. Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, and this is the challenge that I told you about, so as to live for the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. That's a big challenge. I'm going to arm my mind to think the way that Jesus thought. Uh, I'm going to choose suffering over sin. And, and I'm not just arming my mind to think like Jesus because it's Sunday and we're going to church this morning. Uh, I'm not arming my mind to think like Christ because it's Wednesday morning and I'm going to the Hope Center. I'm not arming my mind because it's uh, Tuesday night and I'm going to go to my upward practice. But I'm going to 
uh, arm my mind with the same way of thinking as Christ for the rest of my life, pushing aside human passions and living for the will of God, giving up my selfish desires, uh, no longer living so I can just do all the things that I want to do, but choosing to make God's will for my life a priority over my personal comfort, over my personal um, uh, collection of things, over my personal um, choices of how I just want to spend my time. I'm going to live for the will of God. So you say, okay, Pastor Jeff, where's the, like, where's the gain in that? Like, where, how is that a win? Um, well, I guess it depends on what kind of perspective that you have or what kind of perspective that I have. Am I, am I uh, maintaining a, a temporal, limited, earthly perspective? Or am I maintaining an eternal perspective? Am I remembering how it all ends? So let me, let me use this illustration. It's, it's, this isn't my uh, illustration. It's not original to me. I think um, it's an illustration that Francis Chan uh, did. He said the first time he did it, he was using the, the dot matrix uh, printer paper. You know, it was all attached, and he was using that. So anyways, I've got this. I apologize. If you're colorblind this morning, I'm wearing this uh, brown shirt with this yellowish-brown rope and this yellow tape, a little oversight on my part. So I'll hold it over here. Hopefully you can see it. But imagine this rope is, is the timeline of your life. And it just goes on and on forever and ever and ever because the, the Bible says that life doesn't end when we die, but we, we continue eternally somewhere. So this, is, this rope is your life. And maybe you've seen this illustration before. It's just a reminder for you uh, this morning. So I've got some tape here, uh, here on the end. And this is representing your time on earth. So you're born over here. You're, you're a young child. You think that your grandparents are, are old and they're really not that old. Uh, you're, you're graduating uh, from school, you're making plans, starting a family, working, 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 working. Um, and, and, you know, right in here, as a youth pastor, I'd have students tell me, well, Pastor Jeff, um, you know, I believe in God, and I believe that the Bible is true, but I just want to have fun for a while. And, and if, they were, if they were being really honest with me, they would, they would read First uh, uh, Peter 4, verses 3 and 4, and tell me, these are the things I want to do for a while first. But they're not being that honest with me. Uh, but they're just telling me they want to have fun for a while, and then they'll live for God uh, later on. Well, the problem is then they get married and have a, a family, and they have kids, and they, they're getting to be my age, and they're, they're, looking, they're looking ahead a little bit, and they're thinking, man, I've got to work hard right now. I've got to save my money. I've got to take extra work. I'm going to stay late, and I've got to work, 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 work so hard, so hard, because when I get to right here, I want to be able to eat at the restaurants I want to go to. I want to take vacation. I want to get a house in the mountains in a little town, maybe someplace like Blairsville, and I just want to enjoy my last day, so I'm going to work, 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 work so, so, so hard until I get to here. <laughs> what about the rest of the rope? There's, we're not, the, 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 forever and ever, millions of years to come, and we're just concerned, sometimes as young people, about just what we're going to do right here, sometimes as, you know, responsible adults about what the end of our life will look like. And, and Peter's saying, I'm going to live my life right here according to the will of God because I know what comes next. And I know that depending on how I live my life here and depending on the decisions I make here will affect the rest of my life that goes on and on and on and on forever. So if, if we have a, a mindset that Peter's asking us to have, we're arming ourselves with the thinking of Christ, 
He's just saying, look, I'm not asking you to do for a sacrifice forever. As a Christian, this is going to be joy. This is going to be celebration. This is going to be worship. This is going to be uh, the, best, the best restaurants, the best vacation places, the best views, the best ocean spot. It's all whatever you're looking forward to on this earth. The rest of eternity, I mean, there's no comparison. We're, we're selling ourselves short to think if we can just get ready for this little portion of our lives, we're going to be set. So Peter's saying, I'm going to live my life here for the will of God. I, I, Peter said, Peter's saying, I, I know who Jesus was. I know what he did for me. But I also know that I'm called to be an ambassador so that others would know and others would choose to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. So uh, Dennis Bible on Thursday morning at the Bible study, he summed it. We weren't talking about this specifically, but he summed it up well. He said, you know, some people are living their life like they're a salmon, working so hard to get upstream, get upstream, enjoy a few minutes, and then die, and that's it. There's nothing left. But we know there's a different story. There's an eternity following that death. We need to remember how it all ends. So we'll actually go back to Philippians. Uh, we'll just continue reading. It's still here in chapter 2. This is how it ended for Jesus. After he died, after he was risen from the dead, it says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that, so that at the end, excuse me, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Look at this. Uh, sorry, Craig, we'll go back for a second. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. doesn't matter where you end up, you will bow your knee to Jesus. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what's our response? Peter's saying, live your life not for human passions, but for the will of God. Now, he, he, he spells out some of these human passions. He's done this in previous chapters. He's spelling out some other ones here. So he says, for... Um, for the time that is past suffices. He says, you were, you were before you knew Christ. Like, that's enough. You, you lived for yourself before you knew Christ. He said, put that, in, that's in the past. He said, just keep it in the past. The time, the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. They, they say, what's, what's the big deal? Why would, just come on, there's no big deal. You, you just, this is all, this, there's what they're saying, this is all you've got, you might as well enjoy it. But it's not all we have, because right here, this is where we meet Jesus. This is where, as, as Philippians says, every knee will bow. Uh, Hebrews would say, uh, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. There's a day of reckoning, and Peter mentions it here in verse 5. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. We'll all stand before Jesus one day. And those that are saying, come on, just party, just come on, don't worry. Whatever, whatever your unbelieving friends are just tempting you to do, or even your believing friends are just like, come on, it does not matter. It does matter. There is a day of judgment that comes, a day of reckoning, and uh, how we live our lives, the decisions that we make will affect our eternity. 
We are his ambassadors or people that are living and dying apart from God. And, and God has called us to represent him on this earth, to share the gospel so that others might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Verse 6 says, For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, and that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Uh, and some people have a different, different ways of, of looking at this. I think if we're looking at this verse here in the context of the chapter, uh, and in the context of chapter 3 and chapter 2, Peter's talking about suffering. He's talking about Christians who suffered uh, for their faith. This would have been written to uh, during a time where it was common for Christians to suffer to the point of death, following the example of Jesus. And so I think Peter here in this passage is saying, look, these, these people who are dead, it's the men and women who heard the gospel, who believed the gospel, and then were, then were judged here on the earth. It says, uh, judged in the flesh the way people are. They, they suffered to the point of death. Now they are alive in the spirit uh, with the Father. So Peter here, we're, we're, it's just a, it's a short passage, but he's really putting out before us a clear challenge. He's saying, look, you had, a, you had a former way of life before you were saved. He's saying, leave that in the past. Live as though, as though uh, you'll never turn back there again. But instead, he says, live the rest of your time on earth for the will of God, not for human passions. So I guess my question this morning is, who's willing to say uh, this morning, okay, challenge accepted, Peter. I will lay aside my dreams and desires for the will of God. I will do what's right. I will love people. I will have compassion for people the way Jesus did. I will share the good news of the gospel with those who need to hear it. Now, I know some of you are dealing this morning with hard things. You know, the news of... of uh, of Marianne uh, this weekend. Just so shocking and, and, and devastating that her life be ended so abruptly in that way. Uh, some of you just dealing with being isolated, uh, not, not getting to see uh, friends, not getting to see family, not getting to come to church. Uh, some dealing with um, family issues. It's not always, I'm, I'm, Peter's put out a, a, a real serious challenge here this morning, and, you're, and maybe you're just thinking, man, I've got my own things I'm trying to deal with, let alone uh, this, this challenge to uh, just abandon ourselves to the will of God. No matter what you're dealing with this morning, where you are, um, if you were planning to be at church, then you're with a lot less people right now than what you were planning to do. Uh, maybe it was your plan all along to be at home this morning. But maybe somebody's there with you. If somebody's there with you, why don't you talk to them about it? Why don't you call a friend this afternoon? Why don't you uh, call one of the pastors here at the church? Uh, or call your Sunday school teacher and say, hey, I'm dealing with some tough things. I want to do this will of the will of the Father. I want to live my life for God, but man, I'm just dealing with some hard things right now. Uh, even in our isolation, we've all got a, a, a phone. Uh, most of us have a, a computer or a laptop. We have ways to connect with other believers. Uh, talk to them. Say, hey, well, can you help me come up with a plan to implement the will of God in my life, to be um, even in the even in the difficult situation that I'm in, that I can be 
um, the salt and light, that I can minister to those that are around me. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Even if you're sitting at home this morning by yourself, you can take your request to the Father. You can say, God, I desire to follow you. I desire to do your will. Yeah, I'm tempted to live for human passions. I'm tempted to live in a selfish way. I'm dealing with these hard things. God wants to hear our prayers. So my encouragement to you, and this is what we're going to do together now. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Go to the Lord first. And then call somebody this afternoon or talk to somebody that you're, that you're watching this with this morning and talk about the hard things that you're dealing with. Talk about the, the, the challenges that you either have had or that you anticipate uh, when you say, I'm going to live for the will of God. I'm going to get up in the morning and say, God, I want to do your will today, no matter what the consequences might be in my life, and, and have that conversation. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, your word is so clear to us this morning that we should be living not for our own human desires, not for our own um, satisfaction, not for our own personal gain, not for, uh, we're not just trying to work, 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 work so we can enjoy a few years of life at the end, uh, but you're calling us to live for, the wi- for your will. And, and Lord, we, we read in the scripture and we understand that um, your will for us is to be ambassadors, to be your representatives on the earth. You, you could have you uh, revealed yourself uh, to us in any number of given ways, but instead you chose uh, to use your followers. Uh, you chose to use us. Your, the local churches to reach the world for the gospel. This is your plan, Lord, and so we need to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to participate in your plan. And Lord, I know that's not easy. I know sometimes when, uh, when, our, when, we're, when we're hurting, when we're sad, when we're um, isolated, it can be difficult to, um, to, to make those decisions. But Lord, uh, there's not one of us that's alone. You are always with us. And Lord, your body of Christ is still alive. It's still working. It's still functioning. Um, and Lord, I just I pray for those who feel like they're alone, uh, that they would uh, reach out and call someone. And I pray, Lord, that you would impress upon our hearts people that we need to reach out to this week and just check in with. Say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. I just want to say hello, let you know that I'm thinking of you and that I love you and that God loves you too. Lord, would you help us to uh, first to love, love one another well and to care for one another the way that you care for us. And then um, as we are encouraged, as we are loved, we'll be ready to take the gospel uh, to those who need it the most. And I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.